Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. I appreciate you connecting every week to listen, to learn, and to grow. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your following. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day listening to these weekly episodes. And if you are new to this podcast, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I hope and pray that it blesses you in all areas of your life. If you find value in this episode today, would you please take a few minutes to rate it with five stars, of course, (laughs) and also to leave a positive review. I don't take your comments lightly. They actually help drive my passion and also... It helps me put out new content. It allows me to see and gauge what it is that you are looking for in this podcast. Let me share one with you today. This was Joshua El Corona. He basically said, make me your disciple, Milton, please. (laughs) With exclamation points, of course. Thank you, Joshua. That is very kind of you. Today's episode is a bit different. I'm sharing with you today the sermon that I shared at the Family Church in McAllen, Texas this past Sunday. It's called The Faith That Overcomes Fear. And since I've been talking about fear lately and and faith also, I wanted to wrap up the series with uh, this teaching. I hope it blesses you. I have left in the worship pieces which are valuable to the content of the message. And so kudos to the people of the Family Church in McAllen, Christian Blake and his team, and also Lee and Olivia Ramirez for leading such a wonderful uh, worship piece. I was talking to someone the other day about faith and about fear. And I was explaining to this person that faith overcomes fear, but fear overrides faith. And so he asked me, which one of the two wins? My answer, the one that you feed the most. Faith overcomes fear only when you feed your faith. And what does the Bible say about faith? It says that faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It also goes on to say that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if I go a little further, I want to say this, that the Bible says that faith is the only thing that can please God. Now, that's not the foundational verse for the message that I want to share with you today, but I want to start by saying this, that fear is a liar. Whatever you're feeling today, whatever you're going through today because of our situation, because of the vicissitudes of life, because of COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, fear is a liar. Whatever you've been feeling, whether it's anxiety or depression, I pray that by the time this message is over, that you will have clarity in your mind, that you will be able to see things from a different perspective, that you will start to magnify God. Let me tell you that we oftentimes in church, we say, magnify the Lord. And we say this a lot as we praise, as we worship, magnify the Lord. But let me tell you something today. God does not need to be magnified because he is already great. He is already omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. God is magnificent. He doesn't need to be magnified, but you, 
my brother, you, my sister, you need to magnify your perception of who God is in your life. Keeper of the day and the night, holder of the sun in the sky, you command the waters and the
so much greater Greater than the mountain That's in front of me You are greater So much greater Greater than the power Of the enemy You are greater So much greater Greater than the mountain That's in verse for today is Proverbs 29 18 it says where there is no vision the people and you fill in the blank perish you know this verse you've heard it over and over where there's no vision the people perish now vision is a powerful God-given gift vision is of the heart it is not of the eyes Helen Keller who happened to be blind said the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but yet no vision. I say this again, vision is of the heart while sight is of the eyes. It's God-given. Vision is, is birthed from a promise that God has given us. It's not just something that we envision in our own minds. It's not a, a name it and claim it type thing. This is vision is comes to an, in alignment with God's promises, with God's word. If he said so, then it will be so at his time, in his way. That is vision. So people of great faith have a great vision. They're able to envision God's promises coming to fruition in their lives. And whatever you're going through today, you may be sick. You may have had someone pass away in your family. You may be going through a, a hardship right now, maybe financially. And God is telling you, I've got you. God is telling you, I will be your provider. I will be your supplier. I will be your healer. And you're having a hard time believing it. You have to come into alignment with God's word. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together if they don't come into agreement? You've got to agree with what God is saying about you. You have got to agree and accept his promises for your life and start to envision it. You have to start seeing those things in your spirit coming to pass. You've got to start calling the things that are not as though they were until they become what God has called them to be. Vision is a powerful thing. Now let me tell you today that fear, just like I said earlier today, fear is a liar and fear will impair your vision. You see, the enemy has a way of going around, according to the Bible, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible goes on to say that he is the father of all lies. He is the deceiver. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that tells you, no, you can't. No, you won't. You won't ever overcome the situation. You will never be healed. Fear is a liar, and that is his number one goal. His goal is to bring fear into your mind because he knows that once he does that, it will control all else in your life. It will control your destiny. 
Vision and fear do not go together. So just as I said, Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together if they don't come into agreement? You have got to agree with God's word if you're going to break free from whatever's holding you back. If you're going to experience breakthrough, you have got to come into alignment with God's word. Paul told the people of Corinth, and we know this verse because we've heard it so many times, for we walk by faith and not by, you fill in the blank right there. We walk by faith and not by, by sight. You see, we cannot live by what we see because if we look around in our world today and we see everything that's going on, my goodness, it is a great discouragement. We can't live by what we see. We have to live by our faith. And again, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The little girl who went downtown with dad, she was a, a, a little girl who had, had been born on the wrong side of town. She was without a mother. She was being raised in a single parent home. And the father, he was a blue collar worker. He didn't have a whole lot of money. This little girl went every single day to school with the same tattered dress. It was dingy, it was worn. And one day her father took her downtown. She walked by one of those uh, boutique shops for little girls and she saw a beautiful white dress. And she said, Daddy, and Daddy said, I know what you want, sweetheart. I already know what you're thinking. You want that white dress, don't you? She says, yes, Daddy, I do. She says, sweetheart, it is yours. He says, you're gonna buy it for me, Daddy? Daddy said, no but I'll buy it next Saturday when I get paid so next Saturday we will come back and that dress is yours you know what the next uh, Monday when Monday came around and she went to school this little girl went back to school in the same tattered dress she had to wait a whole week to get the new one but when she walked into class she had a great big smile man she had a she had a, a there was a difference in her countenance and she she was so positive I'm optimistic that the people who bullied her around and made fun of her said what are you what are you so happy about why are you so optimistic these kids you know they start started criticizing how happy she looked that day and she says I've got a new dress my daddy got me a new dress and they looked at her and they said we don't see anything different about you that's the same dress you've been wearing every single day she says no I've got a new dress my daddy promised me a new dress she was walking in faith Saturday came around of course daddy got her the dress he kept his promise that's how God operates. You see, we've got to believe it. When he says so, we've got to believe it. It's not gonna be in our own time frame, but it's in God's time frame. But if he said so, it will be so. So you walk by faith and not by sight. It's kind of like a, I can't see it, I can't hear it, I can't feel it, but I know that my breakthrough is coming. And this is not a pie in the sky kind of faith. This is a faith that is founded on God's promises, on God's truth. You say, I've heard people say, faith is blind. Faith is not blind. Blindness is when you can't see something. When you, when you don't know of something, where you're going, you're blind, you're, you're in obscurity. But when we follow God, we know who we are with. We know his promises. And if you know his promise, you know where you're headed. It's all a matter of time before that comes to pass. One of my favorite authors is Corey Ten Boom. And Corey Ten Boom said this, I love it. She said, faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. That's what faith is all about in a nutshell. You see, you've got to position yourself in order to receive. You can't wait to receive then to position yourself. And you've got to be disciplined enough to position yourself. You've got to be obedient enough to position yourself because it is in your obedience that the blessing will come. You see, Noah didn't wait for it to rain, my brother. Noah didn't wait for it to rain, my sister. He built the ark in the midst of a drought. He had never seen rain before. 
He had never seen rain fall from the sky. He had never experienced it, but because God told him so, because God gave him a vision, what he did, he grabbed a hold of that vision and he started working on that ark. And what happened after all of that? He was blessed. His family was blessed through his obedience. So be like Noah. You got to start building your ark before the rain comes. Don't wait for the rain because it'll be way too late. So you've got to get ready. You see, sometimes, sometimes you have to build, you have to build a garage before you have a car and even a license. And people will, will criticize you because they'll think you're crazy and they'll say, you don't even have a car. You don't have a license. Why are you building a garage? And all you can say is, well, I'm getting ready. I don't have it yet, but I'm getting ready. That's what I'm talking about. That's what faith looks like. Corey Ten Boom said another thing, and I love it. She said, if the devil can't make you bad, the devil will make you busy. That's powerful. If the devil can't make you bad, the devil will make you busy. And guess what's happening to us today? Guess what's happening to a lot of people? And I'm talking about believers right now. I'm talking about believers. We have become so engrossed in the times that we're living in today. We have become, become so engrossed in this fear, in this not only a pandemic, but a pandemonium. People's minds are so fixed on the things that are happening that we're completely overriding our faith. We're letting fear override our faith. We have become so distracted. Oh yeah, it's important to wash your hands. It's important to sanitize. It's important to bathe. It's important to wear your mask and to do all these things. It's important, but at the end of the day, if you become so distracted from God's promises, you will end up after COVID-19 with really clean hands but a really messed up heart. So don't become so distracted that you forget about God. There's one thing that I learned from my grandpa. He was uh, plowing a field that he had. He had about two acres in a really small town in Mexico. And I happened to be there with my grandpa. And I was, I was a young child and he had a rusty old plow and an oxen. And he would, he would pull, the, the oxen would pull that plow down the, the, the field and he would make these beautiful rows. I remember my grandpa would hold on to that plow and he would just steer the thing in the right direction. At the end of the day, he had these straight, very well aligned rows that he would later on go and plant seeds on. But I was always intrigued by the perfection of the alignment of those rows because they were perfectly distributed. They were perfectly separated. They were perfectly aligned. And I asked my grandpa one to say, Grandpa, how do you do it? I mean, come on. There was no technology. He wasn't riding a John Deere. He didn't have any fancy tools or equipment. It was an old rusty plow that he had probably gotten from someone else. My grandfather told me something that would forever change my life. He said, son, he says, do you, do you see that fence over on the other side of the rows? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you see that every one of you see that there is a post that holds up the fence. I said, I see that. He says, have you noticed that every one of those rows ends up at a post? I said, I see that. He says, so as long as my first row is perfectly straight, he says, all I have to do is keep my eye on the post because every one of those posts is evenly distributed. So if I keep my eye on the post as I'm holding on to the plow and I let the, I let the, the beast, you know, pull the plow, all I have to do is steer. But he says, one thing I have to do and that's keep my eyes on the post because if I keep my eyes on the post everything will come out beautifully and perfectly he says so keep your eyes on the post and so I thought later on in life 20 years later I was at a traffic light and I was having a conversation with my father my father was giving me this very uh, deep theological uh, explanation of 
following Christ, right? And he goes on to say, do you remember what your grandpa told you about uh, plowing the field? And I said, I don't remember very well. So he reminded me about keeping my eyes on the post. And I said, yeah, but what does that have to do with anything? He said, life is like that, son. He said, the post represents Christ. He says, the, the, the rose represents your life. He says, and all that you've got to do in your life as a believer is you put your hands on the plow of life and you keep your eyes on the post, which is Jesus. Don't become distracted because if you look into the left or you look to the right, you're gonna mess up your rose and you're gonna have to start all over again. Keep your eyes on the post. I wanna encourage you today to keep your eyes on the post. The post has a name and his name is Jesus. If you keep your eyes on the post, fear won't overtake you. Fear won't overcome you. Keep your eyes on the post. You see, because the enemy, the enemy doesn't want you to have uh, visions of yourself progressing or moving forward or overcoming or walking in victory or walking in deliverance or living a consecrated life or, or healing. The enemy wants you to see yourself falling, failing, faltering getting sick, getting old, getting depressed, becoming anxious, because he knows if he manages to do this, then he will control your whole destination. You've got to understand, now, you probably know, some of you might know that I'm a psychologist and I always make a connection between psychology, theology, and spirituality. I want you to know that there's a connection between the mind, the body, and the spirit, you know, because we're three in one. And I want you to understand that whatever we think about, because the enemy focuses on the battlefield, which is the mind, our mind and that's why Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect pleasing and goodwill for your life there are a lot of verses that have to do with the power of the mind Solomon said as a man thinks in his heart so is he another translation says where the mind goes the man follows so there's power in our thought process I want you to understand that so there is a connection between the mind the body and the spirit and the enemy knows that if he attacks the mind he will control the destination let me let me just explain this to you very briefly there's a progression of our thought process that i love to use as an example so whatever we think about will become a word because whatever we think about will sink into our spirit and remember what the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth say it speaks right and so you know this out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so before we speak it we first thought this thing and so before it got into our mind it came in through our ears or our eyes and that's why we have to be very careful to whom or what we expose our minds to so you want to fill it with God's Word you want to be very selective about the stuff that you listen to the things you expose your mind to and so the mind will influence our words and our words will influence our emotions and our emotions in turn will influence our decisions. Our decisions will determine our actions. And our actions, when they're repeated over time, they will become our habits. Our habits will form our character and our character will lead us to our final destination in life. And it all started with a thought. I'm holding on to faith. Cause I know you'll make a way. And I don't always understand And I don't always get to see But I will believe it Yes, I will believe it That you make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my feet I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful there 
start with what I said originally. Fear is a liar. If you believe the lies of the enemy, your destination will not be the one that God has purposed for your life. Can I just remind you about something today? Let me just remind you that your default mode is not a fear. Your default mode is a power, love, and a sound mind. That's what Paul told Timothy. Because Timothy was having a little bit of uh, some issues in his own life as a young man, as a disciple of, of Paul. And Paul reminded him, hey, Timothy, he says, he says, for God is not giving you the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What does that tell us? That our default mode is not to live in fear. Actually, we're kind of like a cell phone. When you buy a cell phone straight out of the package, you, you've got to, you've got to, uh, uh, program it. You've got to input your name and, and your iCloud username and your password and everything to make it your own. And because it, it's pretty much blank, it's got an operating system, but it's pretty much blank. And after you use it a couple of years and you decide that you want to switch it out for a new one, what do you do? You have to erase it. 
You see, once two years have gone by, you look at your phone, you've got 20,000 apps on it. Your memory's probably full. You've got a bunch of pictures on it. You've conditioned that phone already. So before you're going to give it away or exchange it or sell it, you have to wipe it and you, you, you set it back to its original factory settings. Our factory settings, if we go back to birth, the moment we were born, we were not born with the spirit of fear and timidity, let me tell you. We were born with power, love, and a sound mind. But over time, we've applied all these apps into our own life, which we call mental preconditioning. And so we have this, and I'm not going to get into deep psychology because I would love to talk about the subconscious mind and how that operates our life. But we have conditioned our mind to believe the lies that the enemy has fed us. So we have to get to a point where the word of God, our faith, overrides or overcomes that fear because, again, your default mode is power, love, and a sound mind. It has never been fear. I love the story of uh, Coach John Wooden. Coach John Wooden, he took a UCLA basketball team to 10 national championships. He was a short little guy, but he was powerful and he was a strong believer in Christ. And Coach Wooden would do something that people thought was very peculiar. He would take the team and these were these tall, very athletic uh, men and he would, he would tell them at the very first week, he would say, guys, we're gonna practice dribbling and shooting hoops. That's what we're gonna do this week. And so they would all stand there and wait for, uh, you know, for the, the basketball. They, they needed a ball to start dribbling and to shoot the hoops. And he would look at them and he said, but we're doing it without a ball. <laughs> well, I'm not giving you a ball today. And they would give him this weird look like, what do you mean? No ball. We're playing basketball. And so he said, I want you to dribble your imaginary ball and I want you to shoot the imaginary hoops. He says, because if you're able to make the shot on the inside, if you're able to see it on the inside, it will eventually happen on the outside. But you first have to envision it happening on the inside. It's kind of the way faith works. You have to see yourself healed. You have to see yourself overcoming. You have to see yourself victorious. You have to see yourself breaking free from the paradigms and the strongholds of yesterday before they happen on the outside. That's what faith is all about. I read about uh, Bill Buckner. I'm not a huge baseball fan. Actually, I'm not a huge basketball fan either. I'm sorry to, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm really not. I'm a, I'm a runner and I'm a cyclist and that's what I love to do. But, but I read about Bill Buckner back in 1986. He was playing for the Red Sox and they were playing against the Mets. It was the World Series. Now, this is a really interesting story. It's kind of crazy. Bill Buckner was interviewed a week before the World Series. Now, this was a big thing for the Red Sox, and they, they, they had never gone to the World Series. They were playing against the Mets. They were the favorites. They were going to win. They knew. They practiced. They trained. Everyone loved them. They knew they were going to win, and Bill Buckner was the favorite. And so Bill Buckner was being interviewed by one of the uh, sports magazines, and they asked Bill Buckner, and they said, So, Bill, what is your greatest dream? The dreams are that you're going to have a great series and win. Bill Buckner, what is your greatest nightmare? He looked at them and he said, and, win. and uh, the nightmares are that you're going to let the winning run uh, score on a ground ball through your legs. So, <laughs> you know. And guess what? A week later, the Red Sox are playing the Mets. The Red Sox are winning. The Mets are up to bat. They're pretty much tied. Bill Buckner is on first base, and he's ready. The pitcher pitches the ball, the batter hits the ball. It goes towards Bill Buckner to first base, 
And guess what? Little roller up along first, behind the back! It gets through Buckner! Here comes Knight and the Mets win it! The ball went right between his legs and they lost the World Series because of that. His worst nightmare became his reality. And you're probably thinking, really, does, is, that, is that the way this works or was this just an act of coincidence? Actually, research has proven, here goes your, your little bit of psychology. Research has proven that by simply thinking about something like Bill Buckner did, over and over, repeatedly, it doesn't make that one thing happen to you. It doesn't, it doesn't make that nightmare come to fruition. But it elevates your probability by 64%. So even if you look at people who are suffering today for, from um, early dementia, or from Alzheimer's or Parkinson. A lot of these people, they don't carry it in their genetic coding. It's not within their genes to develop this. In other words, it's not inherited. They should not have Parkinson's. They should not have Alzheimer's. They should not be suffering from dementia. But you know what? As soon as they retired at age 55, it became their greatest fear. They started to think about what if? What if I end up with Parkinson's? What if I end up with dementia? What if I end up with whatever disease is going on. What if I end up with COVID-19? Guess what? Your system, your immune system may be strong, but if you repeatedly think about that thing, you increase your probability 64%. Why? Because you become so anxious and so nervous that, and, and I won't get into the whole mind-body connection, but you cause a hypothalamic reaction. Sends a, a sign down, a, a, a signal down to your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands secrete, secrete cortisol. And your cortisol, if you're in the medical field, you know what cortisol does to your body if you're constantly running high on cortisol. And that's exactly what happens and it debilitates our immune system. So you increase 64% your probability of getting ill or, or, or getting sick or having early Parkinson's or, or, or dementia. So your thoughts are powerful. You've got to guard them. So Bill Buckner, he caused that thing to happen simply because he thought about it. What did Job say? Now Job said, what I fear the most has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Come on, if you've read all 40 plus chapters of Job, you know that Job went through hell and high waters. Come on, you know it. Job lost everything. What I still don't understand, and in all reality, I wanna ask God someday. Okay, why didn't, if he lost all of his daughters, if he lost all of his possessions, if he lost all of his cattle, why didn't he lose his wife? Because his wife came over and insulted Job and said, oh, there you are still worshiping your God. Curse your God and die, she says to him. So I still don't understand the concept of why the wife was still around just to go and pick on poor Job. But one thing about Job that I really love is that Job never stopped worshiping God. He never stopped believing in God. But he did say, what I feared the most has happened to me. What I dreaded the most has come upon me. So he feared that one thing and he increased his probability, again, by 64%. Fear is a liar. Fear is a liar, but it will become your reality if you believe it, if you repeat it. Whatever you repeat in your mind will grow and it will overtake you and it will become your destination. That's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your fill in the blank, heart. Guard your heart for from it flows life. You see, once again, Paul told the Romans to guard their minds. He says, renew, transform, starting here. He says, 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But let me back up a little bit. He said, don't be like the world. Don't be like everyone else. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Don't succumb to the ways of the world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's easy to look around and to monkey see, monkey do. We see people, fran we, we see people uh, anxious. We see people uh, fretting, afraid. And it's easy to copy what they're doing, social conformity, monkey see, monkey do type thing. Don't. You've been set apart. You've been given power, love, and a sound mind. That's who you are. When I think of faith, I think of a man of faith. I think about Elijah. And I want to share a little bit about Elijah to you today when I talk about faith. Because Elijah, the Bible says, James said that Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole Elijah story because some of you have probably read his story in 1 Kings and when, you know, you know that the nation of Israel was divided, some were worshiping God and others were worshiping their own God, which they called Baal. And you know that uh, the rain stopped. There was a, there was a drought in, in, in Israel during that time because the people were divided. And so he prayed and God stopped the rain and there was drought for three and a half years, but God had promised him that he, all he needed to do really was pray again and that he would send back the rain. So there was a promise that he had been given by God. So Elijah walked in that faith. Now, now I'm not, again, I'm not gonna get into the whole story. You know that he went up to Mount Carmel, he confronted the prophets of Baal, you know how that went down. But I wanna fast forward to after he's, he's, he's shown, God has shown up and consumed the offering on Mount Carmel and has shown the prophets of Baal who God is. And then you know that, uh, Elijah and his people, they took out all the prophets of Baal. I mean, they took them all out and they showed them who God truly was. And so I'm going to fast forward to 1 Kings 18, 41. And, and the Bible says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And so I'm fascinated with Elijah. I'm fascinated with, with his faith. Now you need to understand, just as James said, Elijah was just a guy just like you and me. There was nothing, you know, nothing in particular about him that would separate us from, uh, from us. He wasn't, you know, sometimes we see these people in the Bible, these great men of faith, and we think that they had something that, that we don't possess. Well, what he possessed was a great faith. And can we get to the point that Elijah was in? Of course we can. Of course we can. Faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing the word of God. So he had a great faith. And I'm fascinating how Elijah has this ability to see the future and to envision something that isn't there. It's one thing, it's one thing to think it, but it's another thing to say it. I mean, it's not there, but he tells the king, keep in mind, three and a half years of drought. And he says to the king, eat and drink because the abundance of rain is coming. There's nothing. I mean, the cactus has withered. The plants have died. The dirt is hard. The cattle, I mean, they're, they're, they're dried up in the desert. Everything is desolate and dry and dead, but he's saying, I can hear the torrential rain. He's not saying there's, there's, there's gonna be a drizzle. He didn't talk about a drizzle. He was saying the abundance of rain. So here's Elijah in the middle of nothing, extreme drought, and he says there's going to be abundance. I mean, how many of you have been in an extreme drought? And I'm, ta I'm not talking about a drought for the lack of water. I'm talking about a drought for the lack of, lack of finances, the lack of love the lack of a relationship or, or the lack of health. 
you've been in the middle of a drought and, and how many of you have claimed, oh, I can, I can feel the abundance of rain coming. I can feel this healing coming upon me. You've got to have a great faith in order to do that. You've got to, you've got to be able to call it the way that you see it. And I'm not talking about seeing it with the eyes. I'm talking about seeing it with your spirit, seeing it on the inside. Remember what I told you earlier about Coach Wooden. He would have them dribble balls, invisible balls, and he said, if you can see it happening on the inside, then it will materialize on the outside. Well, I want to tell you, whatsoever you envision today will materialize tomorrow, okay? And when I say tomorrow, I'm talking about future tense. I'm not talking about literally 24 hours later. But whatever you fantasize, Whatever you fantasize in your mind will materialize in due season. So careful with what you're thinking. And so he was seeing, he was calling it the way that he saw it. Why? Because God had told him so. Now we've got to stop limiting our God. How many of you remember, you know, Moses on the, on the side of the hill? I mean, he'd been up there shepherding sheep for 40 years. He'd run away from Egypt. Y'all know the story. And there he is by himself and he sees a burning bush. And the burning bush was burning and it was not consuming itself and he was kind of intrigued and he went over and the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses through the burning bush and he says, Moses, and Moses went forward. And he basically says, God says to him, he says, I'm gonna use you to free my people. They have been slaves to the Egyptians and I want you to go talk to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And what is the first thing that Moses says? Oh, poor Moses, right? He says, who am I? That's the first question he asks. It's not, who are you? He says, who am I? And basically God, and I'm paraphrasing, God says to him, Moses, it really doesn't matter who you are. What matters is who I am and what I can do through you. And Moses goes, okay, okay, God, I got that. I got that. So it's not about me. It's about you. Step number one, okay? So he's breaking that fear in Moses. The next question Moses asks is this. He says, who do I say sent me? <laughs> who do I say sent me? And God is very simple in his answer. He says, tell him I am sent you. Uh, say that again. Tell him I am sent you. And when I hear this and when I read this, what comes to my mind is that God was telling Moses, tell them that I am sent you, meaning I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your peace. I am your deliverer. I am your strong tower. I am your rock. I am your banner. I am your everything, Moses. I am El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough, period. I want you to know today that Elijah understood that God was able to do, as Paul says, exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine. I want you to understand that today, whatever your circumstances are, whatever you're going through, you need to be like Elijah. You need to rise up and say, I can hear the abundance of the rain, whatever the rain represents to you. So Elijah, now Elijah, after he sends word to the king, he says, get ready because it's gonna rain. Elijah, verse 42, 43 says, he went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and then he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Now listen, I'm gonna capitalize on that. I want you to pay attention to that. He put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. Okay, so here he is, he goes up the hill, he tells his servant, I want you to go over to that side, close to the sea, and I want you to look for signs of rain because surely it's coming. All while Elijah is in a position, now listen, this is a weird position. It's almost like he was doing some kind of a yoga pose. It says that he possessed Positioned his head between his knees. I mean, and it, sometimes we just read over that and we don't understand the significance behind it. But what he was doing, he was shutting out the external voices. 
Because how many of you know that when you get the word from God, you get a promise from God, you've always got the naysayers, the negative Nancys that'll come up to you and say, oh, that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna get healed. You're probably gonna die. Oh, you're coughing already? You've probably got COVID. You've got all these people with all this negativity. So what he was doing is he was putting his head between his knees and he was shutting out all the external voices. He was going on the inside. You see, when he went before the prophets of Baal, he had an outward victory. Now he was seeking an inward victory. He needed to stay strong in his faith. So he tells his servant, go. His servant comes back. Now keep in mind, there was no sign of rain. There were no clouds. It wasn't even overcast. But you know what? Faith allows you to envision victory. Faith allows you to envision health. Faith allows you to envision even a restored marriage. Faith allows you to see the things that other people can't see. And people might criticize you and think you're crazy, but they haven't walked in your shoes so they don't understand why you worship the way that you worship, why you speak the way that you speak, why the way that you walk or the way that you believe because they haven't been there. But Elijah, he believes. And number one, I wanna end with four, four key points. Number one is that faith sees and hears the invisible. You see, there were no signs, no overcast, no clouds, but Elijah said to his servant, go and see if you can find evidence that there is rain. Go and see if you can see a cloud. There was nothing there, but faith sees and hears the invisible. But Elijah's servant comes back. And Elijah was expecting an answer. He was expecting for him to say, Elijah, I see the rain. It's coming, Elijah. But he comes back and he says, uh, Elijah, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Has it ever happened to you that you're believing for a miracle? That you, I mean, you're feeling great. You know that breakthrough is coming. And the people closest to you, sometimes it's your own family, says, well, I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. You don't seem to be getting better. I don't see any breakthrough. And he says to him, he turns to his servant, he doesn't get discouraged and he tells his servant, go back again. He says, go back again. His servant looks at him and says, what? He says, go back again. Go see if you can find that cloud. See, faith presses on even when there's no sign or no answer. He stayed strong in his faith. He kept on believing because he had a promise from God. It wasn't just something that he, he had mentalized his own self. It was something that he came up with. It was a promise that God had given him. And he was standing firm on that promise. He says, go back again. And he told his servant to go seven times. Can you imagine the poor servant? He went up and down, up and down, up and down seven times. And Elijah this whole time, he's got his head between his knees and he is blocking out the outside voices and he's focusing on the promise that God has given you. You've got to get to a point. You've got to get to a point in your life when you, 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 you have to shut out the external voices. You have to be careful of, of who you expose your mind to, who you're allowing to, to speak into your life. You've got to be careful because that can sway your faith. It can change your whole destination. You can end up at a completely different place, a place that God has not destined for you simply because you listen to the world and not to the word. You see, if you wanna see those promises come to pass, if you wanna see breakthrough in your life, you can't succumb to fear. And if you want to have your faith override or overcome your fear, you've got to come into alignment with the word and not with the world. You see, the world will produce fear the word will produce faith. So Elijah says seven times, go back again, go back again, go back again. Until finally, finally he comes back and says, Elijah, on the seventh time, Elijah, 
I saw a cloud. Elijah gets up and he starts to celebrate. He says, wait, 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 Elijah. Don't get too excited. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. If you put your hand up in the, in the air like this and you look at your hand, that's the size of a man's hand. He says, that's as big as the cloud was. Now that is, a, that is such a, a minute, such an embryonic and such an infantile evidence of rain. I mean, come on, would you get excited if you saw something like that up in the sky? Of course not. That's not, that's not evidence that there's going to be an abundance of rain. But you know what? Number three, faith endures even when the evidence is small. You may be suffering something today. You may be, you know, suffering for some kind of uh, hardship. Like I mentioned earlier, or you're going through a drought yourself in some area of your life and you see a little bit of evidence of breakthrough in your life and you get all excited and pumped up. Well, you've got to continue getting excited because that is simply evidence that God is working. He is up to something. And if he started it, he will bring it to full completion. If he promised it, he's going to do it because that's the way our God operates. His promises are what? <laughs> yes and amen. Those are his promises. Number four, faith sees a breakthrough before it even happens. Elijah was already celebrating. Elijah was, he was chanting victory. I mean, he was jumping. He was exciting. He was praising God even before the rain, and you know how the story ends. After all of that, the torrential rain fell upon them and it flooded out the whole valley that had been dry. I don't know what your drought looks like today, but I want you to know that you've got to position yourself to receive. You can't praise God after the fact. You've got to praise God before the miracle happens. You've got to start praising God today in the midst of the drought. You see, it is during our time of worship, it is our time of praise when we see the greatest breakthrough in our life. Whatever your situation is today, whatever you're suffering from, I wanna encourage you, don't succumb to what the world is fearing today. Don't fall into the enemy's trap. Don't believe his lies. Fear is a liar. It will incapacitate you. It will handicap you. It will destroy you. You are not birthed with fear. You've got power, love, and a sound mind. You've got to wake up every morning. You've got to remind yourself, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm the apple of God's eye. I'm his prized possession. You are victorious. And I'm not just saying that to encourage you and to make you happy today. I'm saying it because I believe it, because it's in God's word. You got to walk in it, act on it, Gotta walk in faith and not by sight. When he told you you're not good enough, he told you you're not right. He told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight. When he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, then you'll never be. your 
pray for you today because step number one in order to build up that faith in order to for you to see breakthrough you've got to trust in the one and only begotten son that God himself his one and only begotten son that he would give as a sacrifice for our sins that we could be free today that's where it all starts accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior making him the center of your life Remember what I mentioned about my grandpa? <laughs> the post, keep your eyes on the post. 
Well, how are you going to keep your eyes on the post if you don't even have that post in your life? Keeping your eyes on the post means accepting Jesus. So right now what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. If you're right there behind the screen and you're saying, man, I really, I need Jesus in my life. And I'm full of despair. I'm, I'm full of anxiety right now. I'm, I'm feeling afraid. Well, Jesus, in your heart, will bring healing and restoration. All you have to do is allow him to do so. So I'm going to lead you in prayer right now. And I just want you to repeat with me. This is not a magical prayer. It's a faith-filled prayer that is a miraculous prayer. And it'll bring transformation to your life. So let's pray. And just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I repent of my sins and I accept your forgiveness, Father. I open my heart and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Make me brand new. Change my life. As of today, I will follow you the rest of my life. And I know that I have eternity with you. Amen. Amen. I hope the message spoke to you today, that it touched your heart, that it brings transformation to your mind and your whole being, that as of today, you leave fear behind, that you start to walk in faith, and not by what the eyes see, but by what the Spirit tells you. I pray that you would live a life of courage, of strength, and not of your own, but in God alone. Remember, God is still God, God is still good, and God is still for you. God bless you guys.